when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. What's good, Internet? It is Monday, June 4th, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 162. I'm your host, Austin Walker, and joining me today in the studio here in Brooklyn, Danny Ariendo. Greetings, space assholes. Oh, that's, yeah, it is. It's space asshole day, everybody. It is. It's a special day. It's a special day for all space assholes yeah. everywhere. Also so joining right. me from other parts of space, but equally assholes, is Danielle and I, Rob <laughs> Zachney. I come from the land of the mass hall, I'll have you know. Oh, that's true. That's, that's a good fair. Point. That's true. Yeah. Uh, what type of asshole are you, Patrick Klepek? I'm the one that's wondering that if they should send Agent 47 to space and have him fuck up some oh. aliens. Yes. All right. They should do, oh yes. Yeah, they should be good. Do, yes. God, imagine, like, the Hitman, like, you know, uh, elusive target where, like, you open it up and All it's right. the xenomorph. Oh my god! Oh my god! Hunting who? Agent forty-seven on the Nostromo. Yes, a hundred percent. I mean, so they got they did that like movie set one where it was like a fake Iron Man movie. What if they just did one where it was like a fake alien movie, but then the twist was the alien is real. It's really here. It's really here. Or it's like a robot, but it's gone. It's gone like out of control, and so it's starting to hunt people down. Five Nights at Freddy's robot. Robot xenomorph. Xenomorph. Right. Oh my god. How do we feel about xenomorph? Are we good with the term xenomorph? Okay with uh, it. It's so it's 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 one of those things that like it's not uh, xenomorph is not canon, right? Or, like I forget exactly how it works, but like it's not. I don't think it's actually uttered in the film. anything. Like, I forget, it's not. I forget, I forget how it works, but like I remember every time I've used it, you get some snooty. Uh, and I consider myself to be a snooty alien fan, <laughs> and yet. <laughs> There are uh, snootier ones that say, mm, actually, uh, Xenomorph is blah, 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 yeah. but whatever. Xenomorph is fine. I mean, Xenomorph as a film co- is like as a film series, not fine at all. Like, the, the alien movies are not doing well. Uh, so it depends They're on... the place right now. They're, it's been rough. Hey, the it's last be, one had its moments. The last Prometheus? I, like, the... Yeah, the uh, uh, Alien, Alien Covenant. Covenant. Alien Covenant. It was not good. It was not good. But it has its moments. bothered with this anymore. Yeah, I saw all those movies. Yeah, me too. I watched, I watched Alien Covenant in theaters. It was so fine. With my mom. Look, we had a great he time. He played that flute. Do you remember he played that flute? He played the flute, and it was a special moment with his hands yep. on the other twins' hands, and there was a David moment. wanted to fuck David. A hundred percent. He sure did. A hundred If that was the third movie about androids fucking... And like just leave the xenomorph behind. Come yeah, on, they should have been in the shower together. Ze- that would have made it better. Near xenomorphica. Yes, near <laughs> xenomorphica. Androids fucking like one aliens. Android just gazes uh-huh. deeply at a photo of another and is like, but it's I the same. It's purity. This is this. Rob, did you see a- Alien Covenant? No, you're and describing I don't think Alien. Covenant. Actually, are. <laughs> 
that's that movie. That's like a full third of that movie. Yeah, that's the, okay. I want to be clear. So it was good. Like the yeah. A plot of that movie <laughs> is that. Yep. Um, it has its moments. Yeah, I don't know if it's good. No, I don't think it's good, but it has its moments. It has its moments. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. How's everybody else doing today? What are what are we up to? What's How is the summer treating you? They're like, almost summer. We're almost there. Squirrel update. Oh, oh good. shit. Good, good. Thank you. Beep, 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 beep. We have to say, I thoroughly disappointed. Either I should be thoroughly disappointed that I didn't get more responses for my call for help, except for one very detailed response from a listener. So thank you out there to you. Let me find you. I want to because you were you actually. Uh, let me see. Mm, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Uh, Sparkles Web Web and Web Andrew Web. Good Twitter name. Thank Good you. One. You actually yeah. useful information. So uh, last I described uh, my squirrel problem. Uh, the worry was that when I opened up my attic, that I was like, oh, all my insulation seems chewed to shit. But I saw no evidence of squirrels living there, so I took that to be a potential positive step. Well, in more positive news, we looked up the inspection photos from when we bought our house a couple of years ago. And I actually didn't go to the attic because it's not a real attic. Like, it's an attic, but it's mostly for ventilation purposes. It's not, you don't put things up there. It's not You don't even do, like, living. storage? You don't do, like, No, light. you can't. It's not It's not wow. meant for that at all. Okay. It's literally it's not even like, a crawl space. No, no, no. Um, so, as it turns out, I never went up to the attic. We, like, had, a, you know, an inspector that we paid to, like, tell us, like, make sure everything's cool. But I didn't, like, go up there myself and look because I had no reason to. Question. So, was the inspector yep. just, like, 32 squirrels in a giant coat? <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Because I actually, I feel like, the, the you know, uh, a, a progressive platform of embracing the squirrels in the yep. court. Uh, uh-huh. in the, in the uh, But, no. So, actually, we looked at the photos, and that's actually how our installation looked then. That's actually what the installation was supposed to look like. So, we're in a good place where it okay. looks like the squirrels have not made it into the attic. And then I precariously... Uh, against my wife's wishes, went onto the roof uh, over the weekend to take a closer look and dangle myself over the side of my house. Patrick, um, you dangled. Uh-huh. It's pre e We can't lose you. We can't. We you can't gotta. Lose you didn't. You. I'm here. Okay. I'm here. And okay. uh, I took a look, and actually, it just looks like that. Not a lot's been going. They chewed through some of the wood, but they mostly just been hanging out right, right inside there. So I think I'm. I think I'm. I think o- you're all right. I think I'm okay. Uh, I need to tell you all that. When you were saying you dangle precariously, Austin yeah. literally took his glasses off and rubbed his eyes like a very concerned <laughs> I father. Got, I was scared. I thought maybe it went bad. I thought maybe there was a twist and Patrick's going to be like, and also I'm in the hospital now. <laughs> Podcasting well, I, from General Hospital. Yeah. yeah. And then once I'd already done it, I was like, well, I'm up here, so I should probably see if there's anything else wrong. And my wife just, like, walked away. She's like, I'm not looking at this. Like, just tell me when you're I mean, done. did you, like, clear? you could clean the gutters? There's all sorts of stuff you could do up there when you're up there. Yeah, like how often do you get up on your roof? Because like you never. shouldn't, because it's, it's dangerous. But I figured I was here, so I should like, you know, make just I don't know, like maybe I'd find a body or something <laughs> on so, your roof. What? Yeah, like I don't know. I'm just saying I don't go up there very often. Like I'm Is not that, sure what's happening on no, my roof. You know what? I think I remember now. Trump did say during the election uh, campaign that in in Chicago you just find bodies on roofs. It's true. It's just not safe. Yeah. You know. Doesn't matter so. if it's the Chicago or the the, the suburbs thereof. Uh, there's just bodies everywhere. So oh. no bodies to report, fortunately or unfortunately. Um, Great, good. I'm so, glad. Squirrel updates. Any other squirrel updates? Any other important pending? Oh, speaking of uh, Alien, we definitely got some people who are surprised that Rob Danielle and I did not bring up the androids from Alien in our 
in our conversation. I wanted to. We, if we were going full Blade Runner 2049, like three and a half hour yes. podcast, yes. we sure would have. Who's your favorite alien android? It's really hard because I really like the Winona Ryder android. Fair. Whose name I forgot, but she left a oh, real impression. That's okay. She's Do you really just mean, good in that movie because okay. she's like a secret underground I mean, android resistance android? fighter. In, sort of? This is in the fourth movie, Resurrection. Yeah. I saw Resurrection. it ages ago, so I can't remember very much about it. I just don't remember her name. I I watched all the Alien movies in a row like a couple of years ago. Again, you know, because I do this every right. so often. She's really great. I'm sorry that I Anna remember. Lee Call is her name. Okay, Call is a good last name. It's a good one. That's a good one. She's a good android. Patrick, you weren't here for this. Do you have any favorite androids? Mm, I mean, the android in Alien is good. Yeah. 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 I don't have Ian Holmes. Hmm? Ian Holmes, Android? Yeah. yeah. From the original yeah. Alien. Yeah, yeah, from the original. I think he's my favorite. He's very yeah. good. He's very good. Because like uh, it's such a good, shocking, like, blood. reveal and heel turn. Yes. Like, yeah. not only is the, like, not only is he an Android, but, like, he's been setting you up to get murdered for, like, as long as you've known him, basically. Uh, right. Yeah. He got switched on to that crew the, last minute. What's the alien from Aliens called? Because Aliens has an Sorry, alien. the android. The android. Oh, What's the alien uh, from Android? Bishop. Uh, is, Bishop the, is Bishop the android? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and like by then you already have been tr- betrayed by the alien. But By the android and the like alien. Him. Right, which I liked. I liked yeah. that about that that character. That was good. Oh, Bishop's he's also, also like, good he's so woebegone yeah. and like hangdog-ish and it's real good. Yeah. Um, all right. We should talk about video games, I guess, instead of just squirrels, aliens, and androids. I mean, there's a lot of video games about those three things. Are there lots of – I guess there's some squirrels. Yeah. Conquer. There's Conquer's Bad Fur Day. Great game. Very underrated. Yeah. As a game. Mm. The humor is really, really not aged okay. well. But like as a game itself, okay. it actually has a very fun platformer structure that, again, uses a lot of adventure game design stuff. Are there so. squirrels in Tokyo Jungle? Oh, good question. Uh, they seem God, too small. Where is, where is my sequel <laughs> to Tokyo Jungle? Give uh, it – to me. I definitely looked somewhere recently and had a note. I don't know if this is like a Twitter draft. I don't know if, if what it was. But somewhere I had a note that was just like Tokyo Jungle 2 question mark. And I <laughs> – I don't know where. I don't know 2009. where. 2009. Patrick, a- I'm taking away your spoken clap emojis. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. Um we talk about some video games. I remembered that there was one that I saw a few weeks ago that I can talk about now oh. and that I forgot to talk about last week when I said I was going to talk about it. So I'll talk about it now really quick, which is I got to see uh, We Happy Few, which has been out in like an early access state for a while. but Several at, years. For a couple years now. It made kind of a big splash a few years ago at E3 when it had a kind of um, uh, a demo that – was very structured and very narratively like focused. Uh, it's kind of a the pitch on it originally was that it was a survival game that took place in a sort of post-war Britain, very like mod, very um, you know fifties like, prisoner ish. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Had a very Bioshocky vibe at a time when <laughs> lots of games were going for that, and it wasn't yes. like the, like the whole uh, like a bait and switch on it was that the trailer. Yes, <laughs> the trailer gave. No sense that this was a survival game in the sense that uh, what most people would associate, you know, oh, the, this is around the time when like Rust and a lot of other games were yep. extremely popular. But the trailer was like, yo, this is just like a like a weird 50s like Bioshock game. Like, hell and it yeah. Gave you but, then that, you, 
that was, you find out it's a survival yep. game and it's like a roguelike and you're like, oh no, I don't right. want to play that. So the way that so and that was the game that was out in early access for the last couple of years, basically. Um, and they've been working on it, working on it. And now at this event, they showed off some stuff that was more in the Bioshocky, more in the structured, mm. more in the handcrafted vein. So previously, you played through this kind of intro segment where you are a uh, you are a sensor, you are like a newspaper sensor who's censoring newspapers and making sure that all the news sounds good and happy, uh, and and you go you go off your joy. You get a bad batch of joy, which is the special pill that makes everything look good, and you get a bad batch or something, and this you stop seeing how good everything is supposed to look. Joy. And so it becomes like a dystopian nightmare, obviously, where they're like people are eating dogs and are you know it's 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 wild because it's like the same. Thing, the same place. It's like, oh, that's not a birthday cake. That's like a chest cavity or whatever, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and so that part's still there. And then you go from that to then previously it was this open world survival thing where you had to like make sure that you had enough food and water to drink and you were in a kind of proc gen open world area. And that was kind of it. You know, you, you got story through pickups and stuff and there were like – a handful of crafted spaces that were plopped in, but that was really kind of it. And now there's still that kind of overworld map with the different neighborhoods and like um, some degree of proc gen, I think. But they showed us a lot more. They said that they've spent the last few years building more in that direction of handcrafted content with Bioshock influences with like you're this person in this world who is trying to like sneak through places and you know there's a bit where you have to cross a bridge and so someone says like oh I'll trade you I'll you know I can trade you the thing you need to open this bridge uh, if you go get recover my old war medals from from before and to do that you have to sneak into this this facility where there are, are there's like a gang and it's like kind of a post apocalyptic gang that throws you into the arena and there's NPCs and so it's, it's a lot more structured but it does not have the level design that makes the Bioshock games so memorable um, and that makes them you know I am I, definitely of the of the opinion that like I need to find the time to revisit all three of those games yeah. because I need to see if I think they hold up um, but what I do remember from them is level design that I thought was really good. Yeah. Even in Infinite, a game that I, even at the time I wasn't head over heels for, there was some really great level design. Uh, and that just hasn't shown up in what I played of it. So I don't know. Yeah, I think I just replayed one, obviously, and we right. talked about it on the podcast. But yeah, that's absolutely – it sort of lives and dies by that because a lot of right. the systems design was actually pretty light right. in retrospect. And, you know, the story was – Interesting at the time, but you know, you kind of know the tricks at this point. So yeah, the level design I would say does hold up in that. So yeah, yeah, that sounds a little bit, um, a little bit disappointing. But I guess I'm glad they're we'll at least see. going in that somewhat more handcrafted. Yeah, way. yeah. I mean, Rob, did it, I mean, did it feel like it supported its narrative though? Like, because when I, when I played, and one of the things that turned me off is that the idea of it of being the person who's like woken up in this dystopia and everyone else is like living this delusion um okay even that idea hasn't aged quite as well uh, in the last few years but <laughs> no. nevertheless that was no. literally in bioshock 2 that was yeah. that was a level in bioshock 2 was seeing how little sisters saw the world right in this happy world. right so, yeah but this, this the idea was like kind of cool but when i played it Everything felt so coarse-grained in some ways. Like, characters were, like, sniffing me out as not being, like, on joy. Uh, like, it really felt super uh, random or, like, it or, or too, the swings were too hard uh, between, like, being in stealth and then being, like, railroaded into everyone in the world trying to kill you. And right. it just felt like 
the game couldn't really support the feeling it was trying to evoke. So what I'll say is the stuff that we played was pretty much all in a space where no one was on Joy except the cops, right? And so everyone who I ran into, it was the opposite thing, which was I was wearing a nice suit and they were not. And so they knew that I was – they thought I was on Joy. And there's like a, a moment early on where it's like, oh, we got to tear up your your clothes so that you look like one of us so that the regular folk don't try to kill you. Um, and it, again, like you said, very binary. Like that was not a particularly – yeah. like it's an interesting – it's an all right moment. But I don't know how it systematizes because the stuff that they showed us was not um, – it didn't ever feel like a playground in that way. It, it feels like a little bit like it's walking the line. And again, I'm curious to see in the full release how they come down on that. But right now it seems like – they know they want to be, have handcrafted stuff, so these handcrafted beats of being thrown into the arena or, or being chased by the, the mob of people who think your suit is too clean or whatever. <laughs> um, but then there is still like a thirst meter that you do have to keep up and there is still like you know the, the, the way that the combat works and the damage systems are like pretty punishing. And so I'm not sure if those Seems things like will Seems like they're blend. working backwards to yes. build a game yes. that they realized people wanted yes. after they started – showing it and that obviously is easier to like for, probably for a smaller team to, to you know otherwise you're gonna have to like you know uh you know spend years building that it's very expensive to build that so it was probably easier to put out a game with one version of it and then try and work but like i don't know like i've been i was put off from the way the game was structured and played before that i like have so little interest to go back and give right. another shot but right. if it really has changed so fundamentally then like may, maybe is yeah. it but like i'm also like uh, I don't trust these games that are going for the Bioshock thing because I, whatever you think of Ken Levine, like those games are so expensive and tough to make. Yep. Like this, the trailer that people have gotten excited about over the last couple of weeks, like this, like Russian Bioshock game. You guys, have yeah, you, have you guys I have seen, seen that. What is that called? No. It's a great mm. trailer. It's a great trailer. Yeah, uh, I need to hear about this. I'll find it. I'll Let find me, it because I have it in the chat that's open. Yeah, it's, fine. it's Russia Bioshock. It's, it's it goes for like a Cold War. Takes like Cold War aesthetic and then you know does the thing uh, where it's like Atomic oh but Heart? it's in huh yes Atomic Heart Atomic Heart oh, oh, yes oh, okay. yes um, well like it doesn't even just go for a Cold War aesthetic it actually feels very just like Eastern Bloc um, in terms of it's like Soviet aesthetic but also in terms of some of like Ooh. the cartoonishness of it some of the but also ultra violent in a way that like Bioshock. Ah, uh, Bioshock could get there, but this really goes there. Bioshock, Bioshock Infinite definitely had yeah, uh, yeah. a lot of that, maybe a little bit more than uh, Bioshock 1 and 2. But I guess what I'm saying is I also don't believe that trailer. Like, <laughs> maybe it exists. It'd be nice. Right. I, I would love it if, if – I would love to play more Bioshock-adjacent sort of games and seeing other uh, people kind of play in those worlds and that sort of structure. Um but I just don't – like, I don't tr- – because one part of the problem is because of that We Happy Few trailer, like, to – Convey a Bioshocky game is I don't want to use the word easy, but easier in a trailer when you're setting up things, yeah. as opposed to a- actually building out a twelve to fifteen to twenty hour game or whatever right. that that actually pulls that off. Like trailers are a much easier lift than uh, the actual game itself. And so I look at that Russian Bioshock trailer, and I'm like, oh, this was built to get headlines <laughs> that go Russian Bioshock, yeah. and I don't blame them, right? Like I don't blame them for doing that, but. 
Like, if you watch that trailer and then actually watch, like, the gameplay bits that, like, reveal themselves, like, those don't come across nearly as well. As just, like, sort of the, the structure. Yeah, but, like, the character design in this is so good. Yeah, it's Soviet futurism is real good. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of Stalinhog's uh, stuff. If you if you guys have looked at Simon Stalinhog, uh, look some of, of, of his... Uh, I forget what the actual name of the series is. He has like a series in like a, a fictional world, not the Electric Playground, but it's not something so dissimilar from that. <laughs> it's somewhere um, in there. That yeah. It has a, oh, a yeah, similar yeah, yeah, vibe. Yeah. Um, the artwork about like uh, people in like an Eastern European or Scandinavian setting, like with alien ships in the background, yeah, uh-huh, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it has like a very like a very near future, but like. It's a combination of, of a sort of a commercialism and and tech that like keeps it grounded. The electric state is the name Maybe. of the of that the. That wasn't far. Yeah. 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 It was close. close. The electric state. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, also, tales from the loop is the other one that Stalin Hawks involved with. Anyway. Uh, yeah. You're, you're exactly right. Which is like, it's easy to be like, yo, look at this character design. Look at the cool drones that look creepy. Look at these robots walking all next to each other. But I don't know what that game is. Right. So, which is <laughs> yeah. I want. I want to believe. It's just like it sets off a certain. Like the, it's some red alarms when I when I see a trailer like that because I'm like I see. People just want Ken Levine or whoever to go make a Russian Bioshock. Like, I get it. Like, mm-hmm. I get it. But I just, I, mm, those games are hard to build and I just don't trust it. So I love to be proven wrong, but I look at that trailer and just go, hmm. Yeah. I've been very brief diversion, very brief because I don't, because I'm not into the process enough to go deep into it. But um, does anyone here follow Worthy Bums on Twitter? <laughs> Uh, he's like a, a worthy no. Twitter he's a account. Game, what is that account? He's a game dev. Uh, okay. He, uh, so it's not, like wor- not worthy. Worthless. Worthless, in fact. Worthless okay. He made Steam Marines a few years ago. Okay. Uh, which is like a tactics, a tactical, like, alien game, kind of. Um, and he has this long-running Fallout 4 thread that has always been super fascinating. Like, I, when I say long-running, I mean you know, 700 posts or something. It's had to jump a bunch of threads because Twitter can't handle how many replies he puts. Um, In which what he does is he plays through Fallout 4 using a mod called um, Start Me Up, which is like an alternate start mod. So instead of starting as the um, the like character from Fallout 4, you can start as like a random raider or start as a scientist or start as like someone who's already in Diamond, whatever the baseball place was, Diamond City or whatever that was called. I think it was Diamond City. Yeah. Something like that. Um, Fenway. Yeah, it was yeah, exactly <laughs> like post-apocalyptic Fenway Park. Um, uh, and then and then also has on some like survival mods and combat mods and a, a mod that makes like that kind of turns it into a stalker style game where the the factions are all fighting with each other over territory and blah blah blah. Um, and just rolls new characters like literally uses a d twenty to be like, all right, this time I'm going to play A and rolls the dice and like, oh, it's a nineteen, so that means I'm going to be a raider with the good-hearted trait. Uh oh, that's hard to play. Um, and I've been watching him do this for seriously a year now, and so finally I, I've gotten I'm falling down the fault modding fallout. For I haven't even launched the game. I reinstalled it last Thursday, and for the last six days, right before bed, I spend like forty-five minutes reading people's favorite mods and trying to put together a list of mods to, to do this thing. And it's it's so interesting because I think it, it is like it's coming at this problem from the other end, which is you look at a, a trailer like Atomic Hearts, or like you look at a game like We Happy Few. And you go, this isn't the, this game could be better if it was XYZ. I wish it would be XYZ. Why won't someone make it XYZ? And then the Fallout, taking Fallout 4 and turning it, making it more like Stalker is like, 
I'm going to just make it the thing I want it to be. Um, and I know what I could be doing instead is playing Stalker, but I'm not getting the tinkery vibe that I'm getting from like trying to build out this mod list. That's what I've been doing with my life instead of playing <laughs> new video games. In any case, um, it's a very it's a very Rob approach to video games. Yeah. I think so. I think so. Um, the the we were talking about systemic action games or action games that, that use kind of have that systemic edge. Patrick, you've been playing something that is built around a kind of weird systemic hook. Um, vampire. Vamp- vampire. We're gonna call it vampire. Got it. Yep. Uh, we're gonna call it vampire just to. Uh, do I think it shit, is vampire. But, uh, I think so too. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, vampire is the the new game from Don't Nod, uh, the developers of uh, Life is Strange. Um, but uh, more importantly, is pro- I should probably say Don't Nod from the developers of games like Remember. Hell me. yeah. Um, Good game. Uh, a, yeah, underrated uh, if deeply flawed. A hundred percent. Action. Uh, a sci-fi game from, geez, at this point, like what, like six years ago? Probably eleven. Like that too long? Wow, was it that far? Wow, was it? It sounds like it you might know what? be right. It was probably 2013. It's probably five years old. I'm going to guess 2013. It was this like mid-budget uh, sci-fi game uh, that they made in partnership with uh, Capcom, but also wasn't it? It was dropped by a different like didn't Sony or someone? Drop I think it someone else Capcom dropped it. Yeah, it yeah, I'm pretty sure that's something true. like that. Anyway, I, 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 that's all to say that uh, in the last like couple of years, uh, Don't Not has become on people's radar because of uh, Life is Strange, um, like a, a what I thought was a, a tremendous. Um, uh, like a love story uh, that involved science fiction, but was like primarily an adventure game. Like you know, there right. were the, the mechanics were pretty basic. Like a lot of the game is propelled by its story, and the interactivity parts were pretty minimal. Um, and it was more in service. Uh, the interactivity was more in service of giving you choices and also letting you kind of explore and poke the environment. Yeah. But a lot of it was sort of self-propelled by um, the narrative, and so. I think when you see Don't Nod, I think a lot, for a lot of people, uh, even people like myself who know better, are thinking uh, sort of along those lines. And, and Vampire is not that at all. It is way more along the lines of uh, Remember Me. I don't know how their team breakdown works, but um, it wouldn't shock me if like Life is Strange was a different team and Remember Me was uh, another team and that team worked on Vampire. But uh, all, all to say, um, the, the setup for this is... Uh, you wake up, um, and you're suddenly, you don't know that you're a vampire, but, like, you just wake up, and all around you are these dead bodies, and you start seeing some humans in the distance, but they're represented to you in the, in the game as just, like, pulsing, like, flesh and, and, and blood, and all you know is that you're thirsty, and you go over, uh, and then you uh, attack the first thing you can find to try and quench your thirst, uh, you realize it's your sister, um, and that you've. It seems like maybe you've been set up to to kill her, mm. um, but now you're also a vampire. So it takes place in this sort of, um, uh, you know, sort of uh, London, like in sort of a quintessential sort of like vampiric uh, period. It's like um, early 1900s, like when the vampires. Yeah. know, that was when the vampires uh, ruled <laughs> yeah, London were, by night. Yeah, yeah. right. We well, we overlook that time period, but you know, like the, the way like popular media tends to sort of like like sort of like set like sort of like vampire um, stories, and and when Jack we often Ripper think of London era. and stuff like that. Yeah, you definitely had Jack the Ripper. Later. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, yeah. It definitely from the previews I'd seen. I saw a preview of it last E3 or maybe the E3 before. It's been in production for a little while now. Uh-huh. Um, it definitely had a Jack the Ripper like aesthetic, if that makes sense. Like yeah. the, uh, yeah. it was definitely drawing on some of that. And I know it takes place during like 
the influenza oh so that a little bit outbreak. later but yeah it's like yeah. spanish flu yeah spanish flu it's, it's, yes. like the spanish flu yes. has just ripped through uh london and i believe like in one of the dialogues set up that it's like happened the summer before so everyone is like very much on edge about like epidemics like blood and, plagues and, and like disease and blood plagues and like having to set up quarantine zones and so at the same time like this like this vampiric thing starts happening and you're not sure like why you're a vampire you didn't know vampires existed um and the the game oh it's it's like very very quickly distinguished itself like especially in, uh, in terms of like uh, vis-a-vis life is strange because like you just get into combat like very quickly okay. like you you are hacking people up with a machete um you start rolling the game doesn't explain this system yet i haven't actually i've only played about like an hour and change and i don't know how the system works but like you go into uh a part of london and it's like the, you know it's built into different districts and it says like status neutral right um like suggesting that there's going to like be some sort of like meta elements you play with like when you flick on um your like uh they call it like vampire vision or whatever they call it um you know allows you to like sort of like see like blood splatter and, and follow different like puzzly stuff that also brings up like when you hover over npcs right. uh in the world like it shows like how much their blood is worth and whether they have certain ailments. Oh. Um, and so, like, part of the game, like, the game, like, when you click start, it says, like, the game, th- this game will be harder uh, the more people that you kill. Um, and so I think that's setting up, like, its version of a morality system in which, like, if you want to be a bloodthirsty vampire and just fuck up this world, like, things are actually going to right. be easier for you. But if you want to try and, they are setting up a character who feels morally conflicted like about a, what they just. You're a doctor in this game. Who's trying to solve the influenza virus, right? I, that, that, that may be true. That, I've not okay, well, that was far. part of the pitch they gave me two years ago. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, I'm not saying that's a okay. spoiler. I'm just saying that we haven't gotten into your backstory. Like, oh, but like it starts where you feel horrified about the fact that you have uh, killed your sister. Like, you are disgusted at like whatever you have become. And so, they at least at the outset sort of set up a character who is not quite sure where they land on this stuff. Right. You're not just a vampire out to fuck things up, but they are setting up a world where you very much could go uh, in that direction, and that the there are like. Um, but there are still lots of adventure game elements, right? So when you highlight uh, an NPC, um, it also brings up um, sort of what you know about them. And, like, these, this is, like, actually sewn in, like, different um, uh, sort of, like, bullet points where, like, they're locked. Um, and if you just spend the time talking to people, I presume, like, solving side quests and things like this, right. it starts to fill in information about them, which then makes their blood more valuable because I don't know, <laughs> you know, like that's just it's, a, it's it, I think it's just a reward for like doing things in the world and exploring more. Sure, um, but like it sounds like how you're going to pick and choose who you kill because these are characters. Kill. Like that's the thing that that yes. is part of the again part of the pitch. I'm really there, curious. Yeah, are, is, like it's not. The, yeah, there are. Are there just random well, people for you to feed on, or isn't it? Is yes. Okay. So, so like when are. you're in when you're when you're like going into like uh, on a quest, like you'll just run into like random fucking bad dudes who want to kill you like there are both vampire squads that are like sort of trained to try and find leeches as they're called they call them vampires but they're also more commonly referred to as uh leeches in the world which i actually think is like a pretty cool like i actually wish they didn't call them vampires and just called them right. leeches because i think that's like a like a cooler way to set up your world that like vampires you know have kind of come into being in a different way but um yeah there are just like random uh, enemies you come across that you kill for xp you uh, suck you stun them in order to suck their blood in order to like fill up a meter that lets you do like your different vampire skills um just like real vampires yeah. yeah exactly um, but it looks like that is separated from, like, the actual choices you're going to be making that have consequences relative to the world and, you know, relative to, like, whether you're trying to cause more chaos or try and uh, uh, 
get away from it. But it's uh, they're just like a huge amount of skill trees, like skill trees within skill mm. trees. Um, you know, um, all like you pull up a system, like a, a a menu that has all like thirty five different characters that you are going to be encountering that have different blood levels and like associations, and you're going to be able to craft. Like when you pull up somebody's sort of. Uh, uh, how the game is identifying them to you, how much like they're worth in terms of blood. There's also ailments that they have that you can then go craft and solve those ailments, oh. um, which I presume unlocks X, Y, and Z. I guess there's a lot going on in this game uh, to a degree that I was unaware of. I was not paying attention to this game very closely, um, but was sort of tangentially interested because I thought Remember Me was was interesting, yeah. even if yeah. I don't know that I'd like argue super hard that it was good. It was, like, very interesting and ambitious and flawed in all the ways that I love, like, ambitious, flawed, like, B-level <laughs> games. Um, and I don't know... I, I'm starting to get an inkling that maybe this is another one of those in a world where we don't get a lot of those games. Right. Although I will say the publisher behind it, Focus Home, is very much one of the few companies that is doing those sorts of games. Like, they also published The Surge, which oh, is yeah. was a pretty decent... Uh, like sci-fi robot uh, Dark Souls yeah, type game yeah. and it was very B-level like it was not like you played it and it was interesting but it was not it was trying to it both was and wasn't trying to compete with the games in its field um, I don't know I'm interested I I, I went from uh, mostly just wanted to wait for the new Life is Strange like whenever that gets announced to like curious to see if this vampire game uh, pays off uh, meaningfully um, but uh, I definitely wanted to at least give people a heads up like if you like Life is Strange, like this may not necessarily be one one that you want on your radar because it is a fundamentally sort of different experience. Right. This was my 2018 game I'm looking forward to. It basically. was? Yeah, well, because I had to change it from Psychonauts 2 because that was Oh, because that got Right. Are you sure? I, right. I'm curious. Almost immediately after she <laughs> Yeah, it was like during that podcast. That was very funny. Um, I'm, I'm curious, how much is there like an RPG element to this is is it just sort of in those tech trees and decisions or does it feel like nah they didn't really go in that direction with this because for some reason i had it in my mind that there were like heavy rpg sort of elements in this i mean i have to imagine austin may actually be able to speak to this because he saw demos that probably like flesh out these mechanics more than what i've seen in the first like 90 minutes but like like from my perspective in the first like you know, hour or so, like, yeah, there are both systems that you're aware of, which are uh, sort of like, they're pretty upfront about the fact that, like, hey, you're going to be making choices on who you kill and who you don't kill, and that's going to not only change the narrative, but it's going to change, like, the difficulty of the game. Like, how far that goes, right. like, I'm, I'm curious yeah. to see if they, like, if they really push back where it's like, hey, like, this game is going to get, like, next, maybe not next to impossible, but, like, really, really fucking hard uh, if you don't decide to, like, just suck it up and <laughs> literally, uh, like, literally go suck <laughs> some blood. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, uh, but Austin, I'm not sure what they showed That's you if they very, got a little more in depth. Very in line with what they showed me, okay. which was like there were some side quests and like like you said, like oh you can go figure out how to cure this person's disease or this person is needs to be I don't know if they're escort missions, but that sort of thing. You know what I mean? There were definitely that style of thing and, and some dialogue options and, and such too. Relationships that split. They very much were emphasizing the sort of like. Um, web of choices hmm. style design of like, well, if you kill this person, then they can't get revenge on this other person, which means that they'll live and therefore blah, blah, blah. Because you have this whole like huge network of NPCs who are named NPCs who you can choose to kill or not kill. Here's how there will be echoes into the like the butterfly effect style, <laughs> like branching narrative stuff. But I don't really know if what you would get is something more like a traditional RPG or adventure game. I'm curious. I don't know. It's, it's on my list. It, it's a shame it's coming out the week before E3. A minute before E3. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, I, um, <laughs> like, I, in the back of my mind when I saw it, it was announced here, I was like, 
I wonder if this game is bad because maybe Life is Strange will just get like announced at E3 and it's like if you just dump this game here and then Life is Strange comes out and then you can go, but here's this. Like, I don't know if that's going to happen, but like, that would be like a, that would be a bummer. But like in the first hour, like, I don't get the sense that this is like a shitty game. Like, no. like I, there's yeah. nothing about yeah. it suggests that, but like, would I be surprised if it was a more Remember Me-ish where it's a little like... Uh, like, we're trying to do a lot of things, and, like, maybe we don't quite pull them off, but, like, isn't it cool that we tried? Which, like, is not a bad thing. Like, a, like there, there is a, a – a, uh, there aren't enough of those games, honestly. And I'm, 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 it's cool that, like, someone like Focus Home is helping fund that kind of stuff. Um, but, uh, like, yeah, I'm – it's funny because, uh, like, as I was articulating what I find interesting about it, it almost feels like I'm articulating what I wish State of Decay was more of, <laughs> and, like, I don't know if Vampire is, like, going to be that, but, like, when we were having the discuss- discussion about, like, authored versus systemic and, like, where you find the line on that stuff, like, obviously this is a very different game. I'm not saying that it's, it has the same goals, but, like, the idea of, like, you know, you're causing all, you know, all sorts of decisions are happening that have all sorts of, like, unintended consequences, like, is something I find very interesting and didn't find particularly compelling in the way it was presented in State of Decay, but maybe it's something I can find myself digging into a little bit more in the way it's sort of presented in, in Vampire. Totally. Nice. All right, let's take a quick break and then come back because, Rob, you have something I'm very curious about. And I know you have to go soonish, so we'll be right back. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. All right. Rob, tell me about spaceships. Uh, they're good. I like them. <laughs> uh, Conversation you can, over. You can command them uh, and live your space, your space admiralty fantasies in Battlestar Galactica Deadlock. Uh, it has a new expansion uh, as of this last week called Broken Alliance, which it's a bit like XCOM War of the Chosen in that it drops mm. a lot of new stuff into the middle of what felt like a an underdeveloped game at first. What's the expansion um, called again? So it's called uh, Broken Alliance. Got it. And so so... Battlestar Galactica Deadlock was a game that I ended up enjoying quite a bit. It was one of my favorite games from last year, even though I also felt like it fell it, it fell really short of being a great Battlestar Galactica game in a lot of ways. Mm. Um, it didn't. It was kind of repetitive. Uh, combats didn't feel like they had a lot of consequences. Uh, as far as the story went, it felt like it was just kind of nonsensically repeating some of the greatest hits from the series, even though in the lore of that universe, that wouldn't make sense because this all predates the humanity extinguishing event that opens the Battlestar Galactica series. Oh, okay. Uh, so the, the entire thing felt kind of weird and off. Uh, what they've done with what they've done in between is they released 
uh, a smaller content update, and they also released a patch that added a new option to introduce, like, uh, sticky damage to your fleets. So before, after each combat, any ships that survived were automatically brought up to full strength. Wait, and that seems like the opposite. I, I don't. I'm not a Battlestar person, even though I think I would really love Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. I, I know I would. Uh, it was it was airing while I was uh, broken in grad school and didn't have TV and didn't like have time because of grad school, and I never got around to it. And it's something I should really get around to. But I understood, or I thought I understood, that one of the main things is that. The notion of like upkeep, the notion of upkeep and repair, and like the feeling that like damage lasts, and that any small mistake could cost people because it isn't easy to to get new supplies. Like that was part of the core thematic tension of, of that series, right? Right, yeah. and so it was weird that like none of the damage, like if a battle, if a battle star survived with a single like hit point. The next battle on the next turn, it was back at full strength. Mm -hmm. So it lacked a lot of that tension that makes a lot of uh, tactics games really satisfying, which is that how you win is almost as important as whether or not you won. Right. We talked about this a lot with Battletech this year. Yeah. And I still think they haven't quite gone far enough. They've, uh, like, repairing spaceships is pretty cheap in this game. Like, it doesn't feel like it is a huge new factor you have to consider. Uh, but those costs are at least there, and maybe more excitingly, sometimes you'll just forget to repair a fleet. You'll get busy, and like you realize that, like, oh yeah, like the entire left side of every ship in this fleet has no armor uh, because in the last battle I fought, um, like I basically cut right and exposed my left side to everyone's guns and played it that way, which really changes up your tactics, like. It's honestly, I might actually house rule that mistake into effect where I'm like only allowed <laughs> ah. to repair every two or three missions because it is so much more interesting. Because all your, like, like in Battletech, all your ships have different facings. And so they have, uh, you know, they have certain firing arcs where they're stronger. Mm -hmm. And they also have armor that, uh, you know, is top, bottom, side to side. So where you're getting hit matters a great deal. And you can sort of preserve your ship by changing facing relative to uh, relative to the enemy. What Broken Alliance adds is basically an entire new <laughs> an entire new story campaign into the huh. middle of the existing campaign huh. about um so in the in the show Battlestar Galactica there were always these political tensions in the background. You had this idea that the uh humanity was not particularly united before the disaster and mm. that there were a lot of like uh, a lot of resentments between the different planets. This game starts to dig into that a little bit. And it's sort of trying to draw out why the creation of this sort of uh, federal state, this this alliance um, to, to fight the Cylons, why that was really over a lot of people's objections and how and what different factions among humanity were trying to do before they got subsumed into this broader, like, colonial fleet effort. Uh, and so it's it cool. It introduces a lot of political intrigue, introduces a lot of non-Cylon enemies. Uh, and so it, it changes the game from being this sort of linear progression as you're just trying to almost run up your war score against the Cylons. And it turns it into more of a multi-front fight where, like, to your front... You've got the Cylons who just keep coming and keep weakening the commitment of um, 
allied planets to your cause. And then behind you, you have like separatists and traitors and rebels who are basically trying to sabotage the entire war effort. And you've got to fight them too simultaneously. Can I ask you this, Rob? Yeah. As a Battlestar Galactica fan, except for the last episode, and baby tactics gamer, do you think this game might be for me? Do you think this might be a good uh, way for me to try to wean myself off of, you know, 400 hours of Into the Breach? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think it's certainly pretty accessible. It's a little bit... Did you ever play Flotilla? Yes. I did not. I watched Austin play it once. Sorry, I got very excited Austin about Flotilla. Austin got really yeah, excited Flotilla. about Flotilla, which is good. It's... So this is quite a bit like Flotilla <laughs> okay. in that it's a little bit fussy in terms of when you're commanding all these different fleets and moving them through 3D space, it can be a little bit much to keep track of, mm-hmm. uh, but it's still very, very satisfying to sort of uh, control the dance of your various spaceships uh, through each turn and because they're all going at once you kind of have to anticipate how the enemy ships are going to move as well you can like trigger massively destructive collisions between ships uh, once you've really closed a point blank range just because you didn't really think about oh yeah if that enemy ship completes its turn my battle star is going to run headfirst into it uh, at the end of its move and that's kind of a it's kind of a cool feature in this yeah. game. So I, I think it's definitely very accessible. It's easily it's pretty easy to parse. Um, especially it's one of those games where knowing Battlestar Galactica actually like is the best tutorial you can play totally. for this game. Like, did you watch the show? It's like the show. Huh. Okay, that's rad. That might be on Baby Tactics Gamers. Uh short list <laughs> at this point you have like 700 hours into into the breach i think it's 430 or something okay like you're at least a toddler tactics game you can't be a baby <laughs> i'm a toddler you now. can't be a baby ta- you have to <laughs> well, you might just be a tactics, tactics gamer. game yeah i know but that's a lot of time you like two i feel like if you have 400 hours into something that is like such a tactics game yeah you you get to be a tactics gamer oh, all right okay. i don't think we're not gatekeeping grade school Maybe. maybe. Or maybe a toddler. I'm in preschool. I yeah. feel like Into the Breach is so serious of a game. Yeah. It's so hard that like... It's not easy. It ain't easy. It ain't easy. Huh. Yeah, she's I, way more forgiving. I have almost like, every achievement. See? <laughs> see? Sorry, go ahead, Rob. You're, you're talking about... No, it's fine. Like, I was just saying, like, it's a way more forgiving game than, than um, Into the Breach. Okay. All right. I have to, I have to dip my toe in yeah. a little bit yeah. there. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Danielle, have you been playing anything this week? Briefly, uh, I have been playing the Framed Collection on Switch. So Framed, uh, for those who don't know. Is uh, Framed is one of those games where like, I'm like, oh, yeah, Framed. And so I'm like, wait, do I know what this is? Wait, am I? <laughs> it's, that, it's that game that Hideo Kojima yes, right. tweeted about That's and said exactly, it was his favorite yes. game That was what I was going to say. Like four years ago or something. It was like okay. one of his favorite mobile games. He said it was so good. Basically, uh, to make it very, very simple, it's a sort of a 2D uh, puzzle game, a uh, very sort of satisfying 2D puzzle game where there are a number of panels, comic-style mm. panels. It's all very stylish. It's very stylized. It's sort of a little spy man. It's very 60s kind of looking. Little 2D spy man needs to go through a series of obstacles to get you know his briefcase to the end of the right. of the level, basically. So you're rearranging panels so that, you know, for example, there's four panels on the screen, and in one panel there's a guard. In another panel, there's a door. In another panel, there's a staircase. Okay. You need to figure out the order in which things need to happen so that he runs past the guard, Without, up the staircase, right. into you know whatever the Two next level sliding is. panels around? You're just sliding panels around. Cool. 
Uh, so it's a pretty simple concept, but it's a lot of fun. It's very satisfying to kind of get it right, to sort of work out the order in your head. How are you doing it on Switch? Is it touch-based or is it like I was actually playing stick? it on a big TV okay. using the analog sticks, but I'm pretty sure it's touch-based or or has like a good interface for it. If I mean, if you can it. use it with a controller, that's yeah. fine. That's I'm, playing, I'm playing it with a controller because awesome. that's good for me basically in yeah. general. Uh, but it's really fun. It's the first two games – or sorry, it's both games. I think there are only two games in the series – uh, and just, again, like a really fun puzzle game that I played uh, some of the first one back when it was just a mobile game, uh, but I'm having fun sort of replaying it on Switch. It's also really pretty. It's actually like one of those mobile games that looks amazing. Awesome. Uh, no matter what aspect ratio it's at. So it looks beautiful on a big screen, too. That's fun. Cool. I need to check that out because, you know, I, it's one of those series that I've always had. People have recommended it to me, people who yeah. aren't just Hideo Kojima. Right. And it's always <laughs> Other like, people. wow, this has like such a cool look. And then I just like, uh, not really what I want on my phone right now. And then I just skip it. I'm going to play it on the plane for sure I was on the say, way to E3. Yeah. We definitely have some good some good plane time coming up for that. Yeah. So speaking of Switch games, the other game I want to play on Switch is Yoku's... Pinball Adventure, Yoku's Yoku Island Yoku's? Express. Yoku's Island Express. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, a game that uh, I, I wrote about on Friday. A game I didn't know existed until I just uh, like saw an, uh, an idle tweet uh, going by my timeline that just said Metroid Pinball, and I was like, oh, that sounds that sounds all right. But there are so many like the eShop, uh, the Nintendo Switch used to be. Uh, you know, this place where a couple games went up each week and most of them were like really high quality and now like the like the the gold rush has turned into a silver rush, has turned into a bronze rush. Um we're just there are so many games going right, we're not right, like right. at Steam levels, but like give it a year and then like you know, there'll be, you know, thirty games going up each week. Um so you know, it's just you know, that's nothing against like you know, the indie developers trying to make it work on Switch, like go get your money, but it often just means like a lot of it just like kind of blurs together and it's hard to tell like what's actually worth um, paying attention to, um, but that one like really caught my eye because I'm I'm someone that like uh, likes pinball but doesn't enjoy playing it past a couple of rounds because like high score just doesn't do right. anything for me. I like me. playing like, a I board need... until I see all of its gimmicks and then I'm like, all right, I'm done. Yeah. Cool, I see what all the gimmicks are. Bye, and that's it. Right. Uh, yeah, and it's just like trying to beat my own score, trying to beat a, you know a high score that I'm not going to get anywhere close to. Like it's just not enough of an incentive. But like um, I've really enjoyed over the years like different games that take pinball mechanics and drop them into a different structure. So um, even ones like Sonic Spinball that are like still largely a pinball game. Like there's just a little more to it. Like Kirby's uh, uh, Pinball Land. Pinball, what's, mm, is that that right? sounds Kirby's. like a thing. I think that's yeah. right. I might have gotten the title wrong there. But like that was like a really terrific uh, like merging of like Kirby mechanics and pinball and like to a larger structure. So like just like I, if you do that and like there are so few of those that I get really interested and uh, so I was hopeful that this one was actually good and not just like following a line of games that I just sort of like find myself attracted to um, uh, on mere concept alone. But yeah. Uh, Yoko's Island Express is like a really charming, really interesting, really beautiful, really fun uh, mashup of uh, pinball and yeah, like Metroid, like exploring where you're trying. You're there's this giant ass map, and some parts of it you can access, and other parts you're not gonna be able to access till so you have like the right tool. Um, and I've played so many of those types mm-hmm. of games uh, in the regular like action platformer format that. That that just doesn't really do it enough for me these days. I mean, like, certain ones are good enough. Like, I've heard Hollow Knight is really terrific, and I'm excited to play that whenever that finally comes out on Switch. I really enjoyed, like, Ori and the Blind Forest. Uh, so, like, there are times when I enjoy that type of game, but, like, it's just, it's just rare these days because there are just so many of them where we went from a world where 
like, ah, like a, a new Metroid was a big deal because do, do we need another one of those. And these days there are a lot of Metroid alikes. Um, and uh, this one is uh, – it's, it's a really terrific ma- – like the mashup works really well. Um, and I, I just – I highly recommend your, it both on Switch. It's on PS4 and Xbox and PC. Your and, story made it sound like there was some thirstiness in that game. <laughs> yeah, this game – yeah, OK. So I didn't understand. Like, yes, I had to a, send you a note that was like, what are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> So there's this game is um, I, I'm not sure what levels it's operating yet. I'm 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 hypothesizing. I'm inferring a little <laughs> bit, but uh, one the so th- the first major quest that you have in the game is to like go find uh, a mushroom for this eel that's blocking your path, and then you go up, you find this mushroom, you're like cool. But if you just go slightly to the right, there's a secret passage where there's a poison mushroom, and then you go down, and the game presents you with a choice: give them the mushroom which will make him happy and he'll move out of the way or give him the poison mushroom and put him in a coma. And the game doesn't present like, why, like, why would you do one or the other? Like, it's not, it's, this isn't a vampire where it's like up front. It's like, Hey, your choices are going to have an impact on where this story goes. It's just like, Hey, do you want to fuck up this eels day real bad? This sounds like phantom thread right here. And in the the stream, yeah, in the stream, I did it. I, I, I gave him that poison mushroom. And then in my Canon playthrough, that I'm doing on my Switch, I gave him the, the regular mushroom. And he just, he takes the mushroom and he eats it and and he just goes away. Like, he's like, cool, thanks for your help. And then some other some stuff that's happening in this game. Some Undertale shit like, right here. <laughs> I, I'm wondering, right? And uh, and I like it if games are going to be, even if it doesn't deliver on it, like that's a really fun, like interesting wrinkle to put into the game, right? Like it doesn't have to have some ma- massive payoff, but like just putting in a choice, just to arbitrarily have a choice where you could just kind of be a, like a fucking asshole for like no good reason. Like is I don't know that that's pretty good. Right. And then later I got you encounter uh, like one of the the first like uh, sort of mechanics that gets added to your repertoire is the ability to uh, sort of like vacuum up these uh, uh, toads that are kind of like scattered throughout uh, the world. And like for whatever reason, like the reason those toads explore explode um, is because they're horny. Like the game is like outright explicit. Like yo, these are horny toads. It's mating season. You throw these toads against a wall, they're going to fucking blow up, and then you can make your way. So, like, you are just sucking up, sucking up uh, horny toads, <laughs> throwing them against a wall, and then they explode because they're horny. Uh, and I'm ooh. like, mm, uh, mm, you know? Hmm? Okay. Hum? Pin, pinball. Huh? Not your not your granddad's pinball <laughs> machines not. anymore. Now they're horny. <laughs> That's actually not true. My granddad's pinball machines were extremely yeah, they horny. Were also, horny. that's yeah. I was gonna yeah. say there was some street. Yeah, there were a lot of like pinup uh-huh. girl uh, uh, pinball machines. Yep. Playboy had a machine. So, mm-hmm. if anything, like we become less horny. We're just going finally back to, back to the, the, the roots of pinball horniness. <laughs> horny, uh, but yeah, horny it's, toads. <laughs> it's it's also like it's it's really well written. Uh, it's it's very charming. Like in, none of like the like uh, the like the, the horny humor. Uh, works really well. Like it's very funny. Like I was I, like laughing at the game. Like it's just it's just like very lovingly crafted from top to bottom, and it's 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 really just like a like a, a joy to play. Like it's one of those where like I have other games I should be playing, and then I'm picking up my Switch, and I've been kind of plucking my way through it. But I also know that I have you know a four and a half hour flight coming up uh, to go to E3, and I'm like I this is like, a game I want to save for that. So I've actually been putting it down, not playing it because I want to save it for like the ideal scenario, which is like on a flight um, and just sort of just indulging in it. So I, I highly recommend it. And uh, yes, it is on switch. So we don't have to port beg for this one. Um, it's, it's already nice. there. Awesome. 
We should dip quickly into the question bucket. Rob has has left us for, Rob for has the left day. The building. He couldn't take the horny toad. That's what he said. He said, no more horny toes <laughs> on out. my watch. I got to go. Uh, and he left. Uh, this one, you, if you have a question, you can send it in to gaming at vice.com. Uh, this question comes in from Harrison, who says, hey, Waypoint team, I'm curious what you all think video games will look like in 10 to 20 years. Assuming graphical improvements reach a point of diminishing returns, what new directions do you think the industry will move in? Looking for answers both to what you hope to see, procedural generation that can make cohesive and engaging stories, question mark, as well as what the cynic in you dreads will happen. Ads and product placement in big budget games? Thanks, Harrison from New Jersey. Uh, I feel like the cynical one is very easy and it's like every major corporation has some sort of game stake. Like there's mm. there's the AT and T game that's basically Fortnite but with more loot but boxes with, or whatever you right, know like right. the really cynical sort of yeah of course every corporation will get into the game in some level in some or, way yeah or or have some sort of stake in the business in some way and we that just like, will in the way that like Disney has bought up so many different uh, kind of entertainment corporations yeah. we end up getting Activision Blizzard Disney or like or like Activisney Activisney uh-huh. or we get like um uh like Comcast buys EA yeah. uh, and then that's and great And you get Comcast's Xfinity A Yeah <laughs> Xfinity A Well I think like part part of that that potential path like I would say actually some of my cynicism has been dampened by the fact that the Switch has been as big a success mm. as it has been because I feel like Nintendo like is such a nice counter to like the focus on like the kinds of games that are built by companies like Microsoft and and Sony as much as I like a lot of those games and like Nintendo as its own independent entity is such a nice tonic um even when they're kind of flailing about um they're always like interesting so like imagine a world where the switch bombed and then they had to like I don't know make a full pivot to mobile or like had to start publishing Mario games on like the Xbox and PlayStation it's just like Ugh, like I don't want to be in that world. I like the world where Nintendo operates independently. And so, actually, like my most cynical, like I was thinking a year ago when the Switch was launched, like that was my fear. It was like, oh fuck, like they're gonna fuck this up a second time, and then like Nintendo's gonna go the way of Sega. And like Sega is actually kind of pretty interesting these days, but it took a long time for them to get there. Um, and yeah, so it's a long road. I don't know. My my. my my most like loot boxes would, are, are seem to be going away, yeah. so it's like that would have been my previous one where I'd be like, ah, fuck, we're, that's what's going to be in every game. But actually, like now you have like you know uh, dice saying outright like, hell yeah, no loot boxes in our game after our last game had lots of loot boxes. Mm-hmm. So isn't that cool? So I actually don't think loot boxes are going to be. I think they'll remain like a thing. Like you know, Overwatch and some other games are still going to have them, but. I think it's on people's radar so much that like that's been taken off my like there's, my, my there's some perch. cash grab. There's got to be some sort of. I think they'll be, they'll figure out new ways. Yeah, right? exactly. Um, I I'll give my hopeful first, which is sustainability, which is um two things converging. One, a push for unionization and collective bargaining uh, among AAA and and across game devs in general. We've talked about this at length last yeah. week. Um, but at the same time. Finding alliance with that or finding affinity with that, a move towards games as service that lowers the risk in the AAA space so that things look more like the recent Ubisoft model around games like Rainbow Six Siege, The Division, Wildlands. Games that la- – a model that doesn't require the turnaround time to be as quick. Mm-hmm. The Division came out 
I was still at Giant Bomb when the division came out. Right. So it was 2015, right? It's 2018. We know the division two will be announced this year. It'll probably come out this year. It's a gut me guessing thing that we'll see, if not this year, early next year. Um, my, my, it's probably next yeah. year because they've already kind of signaled that Assassin's oh, Creed right. is not going to be this you're right. fall. Wait, then so. what's their big fall release? Maybe – well, it could be The Division 2. Oh, oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, that's – yeah. Or or Watch Dogs, which also seems due. That seems due, but I don't – I haven't heard any rumblings. We'll see. It was 2016, wasn't it? That was 2016, yeah. Watch Dogs 2. Anyway. Yeah. Um, but, but like this is the point that we're talking about right now is that there's a longer dev cycle on those and they're focused on maintaining game support. I want to 10 years from now – be in a world where we can imagine Anthem 2 and not Anthem 3 or 4. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Destiny, you know, uh, the the 10-year promise of Destiny was not going to happen under the old model, which required that, that studio and the studios that made some of their side content to be hustling at such a rate that they were constantly, that Bungie was constantly just trying to write the ship and not necessarily, like, build a sustainable, sustainable path going forward. And so a move towards games as platforms, games as services in that big space, and then the the proliferation of smaller games by independent studios and by small studios and by small publishers um, to to rebuild up what we thought of as a long time as that B-game space, Mm -hmm. um, where tools are, are accessible and affordable enough to build something that today would seem ambitious. Um, in the 10 to 20 hour space or the 20 to 30 hour space. That's where I'd like to see games be in 10 to 20 years. Um, where I, that's, that's my, my hopeful, optimistic, I can imagine that sense. Yeah. Um, my cynical sense is a crash. Is 10 to 20 years is a lot of time. Games are super, super expensive. And a move to, and maybe this isn't so cynical in some ways, but like if I am, I think it builds off of maybe your cynical thing. Danielle, which is like AT&T gets into the business and then actually looks at what games cost to make and what the risk is like. And they're like, why are we making video games? We could be making anything with this money. Like phones have a, a much better turnaround and, and are much less risky. Or you know, there's so many products you can make with that money that are not – that when they bomb, don't bomb in the same way. Um, and so I could imagine a world in which we see – an incredible decrease in in what we think of as AAA game production. Um, not a complete crash at this point. Not a 1980s style right. the the home console crash. It's it's fucked. Um, but something where it becomes it becomes too unsustainable and too risky for independent game developers to to keep throwing their life savings into projects, into passion projects, uh, uh, and a world in which big companies don't want to take any risks at all. And so we get more homogenous games and less um, less and less like uh, production in general. Um, yeah. We'll see. I mean in Everything some ways – consolidates in certain ways. Right. In yeah. some ways my hope and my fear are not that dissimilar, right? Yeah. Like there's a version of, of the, oh, sustainable game production means less risk-taking. Um, and and means less like games as platforms mean less new IP and less new ideas in in those spaces. Relying only on uh, workers who have lots of experience and who are and no room for new people to move into those spaces. So there's ways in which my even my 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 hope could be tinted poorly. But those are that's kind of where I'm at. I don't I, know. My truest hopes. I already said my cynical one. Yeah. Uh, my truest hope. Uh, obviously. Uh, 
wanting people to have sustainable lives just in life in in, in America, having things like universal health care and having uh, you know sustainable systems where people can make the things they want to make and yeah. can be, uh, you know have a life and live and be okay. Uh, and fostering that, having tools that actually make something like – so if you go on itch.io, you can find a million tiny games, and I love that we can do that. A lot of times sort of the tools are at such a level where it's very easy to make – not easy. I don't want to say easy because <laughs> I know it's not easy. But you can imagine uh, most types of people being able to make something that looks like an NES game and even like a really great NES game. Right. My hope is that – Tools become better and better and better, and maybe this is what Dreams wants to do. I know that's kind of you know the dream. right, right. That's the something dream. like that's an N sixty four game, or eventually, you know, I want immersive Sims. Right. I want it to be affordable and an okay thing to do, where a very very small team or even one person could make like a brilliant and amazing immersive sim. Basically, that genres that are great and I love don't die <laughs> and have like really interesting work being done in them. Whether or not it's like intensely commercial work, it probably won't be, but. I would like that to to live. So hey, in ten years, if there are you know people making something like Prey and they're able to do that in smaller teams, that would be ideal. Awesome. Uh, here's a quick one comes yeah. that came in from Dan. Uh, hey, my dream is that Spelunky Two. That's is a good dream. That's a good Patrick. dream. That's his. Hey, dream number two. Dream number two. Hey Miyazaki, go make that yeah. Max Souls game. Get the fuck do out. that before the crash that I predicted. <laughs> <laughs> That's the last video game. Oh, Mech Souls. That'd be all right. Yeah. Time. It would be that would, that would be, be on point. I'm sure that game would end with some sort of terrible choice about whether or not to there's keep. There's no more technology. There's no more. Did you have to decide either? There's no more technology, and we go to the dark, or there's the technology takes over everything. And nobody has a soul. No anymore. one has a soul. Yeah, exactly. The Mech, darkest soul. The darkest soul. That's what we call it. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh huh. This comes from Dan from St. Louis, who says, "Hello, Waypoint. Last year we had Mario Odyssey. This year we have Assassin's Creed Odyssey." <laughs> What's the next game on your wish list for the Odyssey treatment? Prey Odyssey. Ooh. What would you say? Prey Odyssey. What's that game look like? It's a, a series of Prey-like games. Oh, it's like an anthology. It's an anthology because okay. there's so many of them and they're all amazing. Mm. Yeah, that's what my dream was. Gotcha. All right. Huh. <laughs> Abe's Odyssey. <laughs> well, they are making they another are, one of those, yeah. so... Uh, I'm trying to think of like what, what, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of franchises where it's just like I mean just slap it on there. Red Faction Odyssey. <laughs> oh, we should explain why we meant why we name dropped Space Asshole at the top of this. You know. Yeah, probably. Oh, yeah. What? What? You mean we should explain an obscure <laughs> internet podcast yeah. joke that is like largely relegated to like the people in the media and like listeners hey, of, a, like of a relatively successful podcast. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so Red Faction Guerrilla is, is getting a remaster, and they licensed... Remaster. Oh, my oh yeah! God. I hate it so Red much. Mm. Oh, yeah, Red... There's gotta be a Red Dead It's like a remastered. That's that's what they could have called. Mars. That's what... It's also dead, and it's red. Yeah, you know, I gotcha. Um, <laughs> they are remaking, or remastering, not remaking, remastering uh, Red Faction Guerrilla. Yeah. Uh, a, saw, a game for which Chris Remo... Underrated. Yeah. Yeah. Underrated game, by the way. Good game. I Perfection stand on the other side game. of history with this. Um, oh, all right. Uh, well, I think that game mm, didn't give you right. enough restrictions. That's what I think. My favorite parts of that game were the timed mini games, where it was like destroy, destroy sure. this building yeah. with seven like grenades, uh, or with like just your hammer and this one shot of the canvas of the disintegration. Yeah, yeah. The canvas right. was too blank. Exactly. So, but in the main game, I've said this before. In the main game, I ended up getting like 
a three weapon like uh, like setup or whatever that was like too strong, and I solved every problem with the same same exact setup. And I was just like, I, uh, I well, I, what I should have done was just ed mod it with an R. That way, it's like Mars. I got yeah. you. I, if I could, what I should have done is just insisted, forced myself to use other weapons. But like the arc gun took care of vehicles really quickly, and then like the disintegration gun by the mid game was just so strong that I was like, okay, between vehicles I can take over and this gun, there's no challenge. And it's not like I want a challenge. What I wanted was to be forced to be creative because their tool set was so fucking good. Anyway. That game had a song written about it <laughs> by Chris Remo of Idle Thumbs and you might Campo know from Santo. Campo Santo yeah. now who, who uh, released uh, Firewatch a couple of years ago. And he wrote a song called Space Asshole and performed it on Idle Thumbs and then I guess THQ Nordic yep. licensed it. <laughs> For the release, for the the announcement trailer of the remaster, the remaster, yeah. uh, and it's very funny that that like I thought they would be re-recording it or something at, at the at most. You know what I mean? I thought they would do like the a podcast version. That's like. just the version that Chris recorded yeah. eight years ago or whatever. Yeah. It's cool. It's a fun. I wish the video was a little bit better. I wish they had edited the trailer more to his lyrics, but well, that's okay. Well, give it to Derek Lou. Yeah, give it to really Derek. Right. Give it to you. Trailers. You could have done. I could have done that. You we, know. You know, we were not in the press, or we're in the press, so we can't I just do, do shit for. We couldn't do it. But you know, we could have found an exception. Maybe they were in a big rush. Yes. Yes. You know, anyway, maybe they had an hour to do it. I understand. So, so your thing, you just is that what you're committing to? A red faction odyssey, Patrick. That's Hell good. yeah. Be see what you want to see yeah, in the world. One hundred percent. Give me another red faction I gotta, game. I'm like, I gotta, yeah. Give me red faction. Right, I got a really good answer here. It's called Armored uh-huh. Core Odyssey. Okay. And you know the yes. past Armored Core games have been kind of mission based, but in this one it's like an Odyssey, so it's like an open world kind of an adventure, like an action adventure. Maybe some RPG elements in there, and it's you and your mech, and you're going on an, an Odyssey together. You're going on an adventure. You're exploring this like kind of. Um, it's almost like there's a central hub that has like all these other areas around it, and you can explore it. And some of the parts you can go with your mech, and then sometimes you have to get out of your mech and explore it. And it's like really deliberate combat, um, and like it's it's very much about like what weapons you equip changes how you and your mech attack. And I think maybe there's some sort of like, you know, um, there's like a booster system on the mech that you have to gate, like you have like a boost gauge or like a stamina gauge, I guess you could call it. Um, so something like that would be like kind of like, I guess it'd be like a little bit like a, what if there was like a giant robot mech Dark Souls? Like something like that. Mm. Armored Core Odyssey. That's what I would make. Tell, tell me, Zaki. Yeah, I'm going to see him at E3 mm-hmm. and be like, yo, hey, where is bud? it? I'm not right. actually, I don't think I'm actually going to see. Here's my design doc. Right. You're welcome. Yeah, here it is. You know? Wink. <laughs> You'll see it already says by Miyazaki and Austin, his best friend. So <laughs> I love that. That's it. That's it. M and A. That's know? Uh, right. That's what they call that's us. Beautiful. That's what from Stinton doesn't work. I'm Austin Walker. I think that's going to do it for us this week. We are done with questions. If you have questions again, you can send them to questions at at. I almost said questions at IdleThumbs.com. Really I almost did. did. Oh my I've never God. even been on an Idle. That's not true. I've been on. I've been on. I've been on. I've been on. Yeah, I've been on Idle Weekend, and I've been on Three Moves Ahead. Yeah. I'm gonna be on Three Moves Ahead again soon to That's talk exciting. about the game, which is exciting. Um, you wanna do waypoints before we go? Yeah. What are your sure. waypoints? Go ahead, Patrick. Uh, I watched uh, uh, a really good movie on Friday that I uh, had very little. Uh, I don't know much about it. It's a movie called. Uh, uh, date night with Rachel McAdams oh. and Jason Bateman, and uh, more importantly, Jesse Plemons. The uh, uh, most people know from Breaking Bad, and who, but more people should know him from Friday Night Lights. Yeah, um, uh, is a really, really good character actor um, who just is his wait, demeanor wait. is. You very said honest. date night, which is that 
Steve Carell game, game night. night, right? Oh, game night. Okay, game I night. thought you just said date night, and I was very confused. Okay. Okay. Game night. Game night. Game night. Yeah, you're right. It's game night. It's game night. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, Jesse Plum is just a very unassuming, and so he like finds a way to kind of like slip into roles and surprise you because he just. I don't know for like uh, he, he just doesn't seem like the kind of person that has like a certain range and that he does and like his his appearance like allows him to uh surprise you in those ways and like he is the uh, far and away the highlight of, of this movie like complicated feelings about uh, uh the fucking uh, Jason Bateman mm-hmm. given the way that he uh, handled some uh, recent events um with the rest of development so like bad but uh the other parts of this movie are so strong like Rachel McAdams who's like generally an actress that I, I like but she is just she is so funny in this movie in a way that like is like she genuinely shocks you and like oh i i knew she could be like funny but like i didn't know like she could be like <laughs> this funny like there's very specifically like a there's a, a scene involving vomit but not actual vomit that like you'll know when you see it <laughs> um it's it's just a, it's a it's a very funny charming uh movie that uh yeah i guess i should say the setup uh the setup is like um uh, that this group of friends uh, gets to, together every week for uh, a game night, and they play like charades and board games and stuff like that. I um, was kind of excuse to like just together and drink and, and and shoot the shit. And then Jason Bateman's uh, brother, uh, who is played by Coach Taylor from Perfect. Friday Night Lights, so there is a wonderful crossover uh, there. Um, I refuse to call him by his actual actor name. He is Coach Taylor for me yeah. forever and ever, and they should just put him in the credits <laughs> as that going forward, just to make That's things fair. easier. Um, and. Uh, he he. So, great part of this movie is that uh, in Friday Lights and a lot of the other roles that that he plays um, are like just like very charming, nice. Like you want this man to be your dad, sort of uh, characters. Um, and in this, he is just a brash asshole, like so full of himself. And he it's just part of it's because of um, playing against expectations, and part of it's that he's very good at playing that kind of character in a, in a, a surprising sort of way. Um, and he kind of shows up and says, hey, actually, we're going to do game night at my place. He's also rich, by the way. Um, he, so they go to, like, his his rich house, and they do this game night, which is, like, supposed to be a thing where, like, actual actors are going to show up. And, like, you know, you're not going to know what's real and not real. Um, and then it, like, it mashes up with, like, an actual crime, and they don't know, like, they as characters don't know that they're actually, you know, participating in something, like, really bad. Um, that they're playing as though they're part of this like fun game night game, and yeah, it goes to some really uh, weird places, and uh, yeah, I, I highly recommend it. Awesome! I want to see that. Yeah, Danielle, what last, is your waypoint for the week? Last night I watched uh, The Shape of Water and I Tanya back to back again. Mm-hmm. I'll talk about I Tanya because I, I feel like people know that The Shape of Water is pretty awesome. Yeah, it got Best Picture. You know? It did. Not that. like gunning for the little guy at this point with that, but um, I Tanya is a wonderful wonderful movie and i will stand by that and i will fight you i'm none of us are trying to fight you i will fight you um not, not you but i okay, mean but the royal conceptually you. yeah i think it's it's good i think my only problem with that movie was that it felt like she'll uh, fight you. i will fight you i just it seemed slightly a little too defensive of <laughs> tanya harding as like but it was a, good, a very good movie and her, uh, her performance is yeah movie, I, I mean so. like yes it takes a point of view for sure uh, but i think it it probably should have 
uh, like considering sure, like yeah. it, it's it's a better movie for having a very strong point of view on Tanya Harding. Um, absolutely, mm-hmm. and it's and it's a movie that is really difficult uh, to watch at times because it's like it's basically played up as a comedy in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. The music choices, the shot selection, everything about it feels very comedic, but it's a really tragic story. It's a really horrifying story about abuse, basically, and how badly she was uh, abused, uh, and, and sort of like what went along with that, and and how much of a damaged person she was, and still sort of in the limelight and so on and so forth uh, margot robbie absolutely god is incredible in that role she's so dynamic and she's so hurt but trying to make her way through it and trying to smile her way through it there's literally a scene at the end where she is sobbing and trying to put on her happy doll makeup yeah. for her you know her last skate in the movie uh that is so heartbreaking uh, alice jenny is also incredible in that movie as her really toxic abusive mother mom, right yeah, yeah as her mom so uh Really highly recommended with a giant, like, content warning on there for, like, abuse just happens all the time. (laughs) There'd be, like, a happy, funny scene with happy, fun music and, oh, my God, something really dark happens. So, like, just know it's kind of a whiplash. It's definitely the point of the movie. It's definitely, like, in you know, it fits the movie. But it's one of those things where, like, I tell people going in just in case. Just know that that's going to happen. Gotcha. So, yeah. Awesome. Um, my waypoint for the week is a musician. Uh, her name is 070 Shake. She has an EP called Glitter. Uh, the, the project she's part of, 070, uh, is the 070 project. has a has a mixtape together. Um, she is one of the highlights of a, a truly mixed to bad uh, Kanye West album that just dropped. Yay. Um, the the best song for my money on that album is a is a song called um, uh, Ghost Town, uh, and she does this like incredible outro to it, um, and it is one of those things where it's like when you say when you hear something like that on a when you hear someone like that on a huge release from an artist with an incredible platform, like do your best to find their actual work. Um, that's been a thing that has been that has come out of that entire group for the last ten years has been like you know one of the one of the best things Kanye West has probably done is put me on some other people right there are some people who maybe don't stand up to the test of time that way but that is one of the things as a musician when you do have a platform that you can do is to share it uh, and O Seven O Shake stuff you know she's like a twenty year old rapper from North Bergen New Jersey and is really fantastic as as a vocalist um, as a rapper uh, and her whole crew is sick so like O Seven O Shake as in uh, like O Seven like zero seven zero yeah 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 um. Really good, uh, and also I guess I guess I'm sure some people have been asking me what I think about that album. I don't. I do my best not to plug my side pro- side projects here, but I do do a a Kanye West bracket podcast called <laughs> One Song Only with some friends of mine. Um, uh, and if you want to hear us talk about that album, and also if you want to hear us talk very honestly about where we're at with Kanye, you should go listen to that podcast. We have a we should have an ep- up this week on the new the new uh, album plus the Pusha T album plus some of the beef between the, the, the of course we got okay. into the Drake stuff of we course need to to that of course one for sure you know you are hiding a child so it's. <laughs> A lot. Uh, so go listen to that. If you're very curious, if you're so curious as to as to what I think about that, that is where you'll find me talking about that. All right, that is going to do it for us. As always, shout out to Bowen for letting us use the. Oh, uh, sorry, uh, Rob didn't get to do a waypoint. I'm going to just channel Rob. He says boats. Yep. Boat. You should check out boats. Dare forlornly at the sea. Yeah. Oh, actually, I can give one for Rob, which is if you didn't see our Sea of Thieves stream yeah. last week. 
Uh, so last week, Danica, Rob, and I in the middle of the week were like, oh, we're going to try the new DLC for – not DLC, the new patch, the new update for, for Sea of Thieves. They added like a boss. They added like a boss shark, like a megalodon. And so we did the first half of it. You don't really need to watch that first stream. It's OK. Watch the second stream <laughs> because it was the three of us. Natalie joined us. And then the way that that, that that fight works is you have to do all this kind of like – puzzle solving to kind of – there's kind of riddles and you have to go find these journal pieces and then you end up getting some new stuff like a, a horn that lets you talk to anybody in the area, like long distance um, and like uh, some a drum, a new instrument. And you have to gather five people who – which is more than you can have on a single ship because the, the, the single ship – the single crew is four people max. So you have to find another real player, at least one, to come play this one song in the middle of the ocean – at a specific spot, and it will summon this giant shark to fight. And we had honestly the most magical experience I think I've had playing a game in a long time, in which we ended up recruiting two other ships, one of which was filled with like little kids who were oh. very sweet, who were very sweet and take charge and um, were very inquisitive. <laughs> and then there was another group of people who were probably about our age, maybe a little younger, but who were totally chill too. And we ended up having this incredible fight against the shark. It was, it was so exciting and so funny and, and heartwarming because these kids who we were playing with were like pure and good and did Aww. not milkshake duck ever. So, <laughs> uh, it was very, I, I hope they never do. Um, they have, he has a dog named Panther. It's a whole, it's, it's a very charming, it's a great stream. So go look at that. That's up on our YouTube now, uh, Waypoint, uh, Vice on YouTube, youtube.com slash Waypoint Vice. So go check that out. That is actually my stand in for Rob's Waypoint (laughs) boats, but also specifically that boat, boat. the the boat that we, I guess our boat never actually sunk at the end. We were going to, we thought it was going to get shot down, but some randos ran onto our boat, stole our cannons and shot down another ship instead. It was a whole thing. Anyway, go check that out. Again, youtube.com slash waypointvice. All right. Thank you to Bowen for letting us use the track Miss You off the EP panel machine. Find out more about that at waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. Where can people find you on the internet, Danielle? At Danielle R-I. What about you, Patrick? At Patrick Lovick. Find me at Austin underscore Walker and find everything that Waypoint does at twitter.com slash waypoint, facebook.com slash waypointvice, and waypoint.vice.com. We're going to be back with some streams all week. Um, I'm thinking maybe for Friday we do like an E3 yeah. Q&A podcast get maybe. Get ready. Like you know, get ready. If you have get E3 packing, questions. Packing if you have, for E3 packing, podcast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we'll fill our question bucket with E3 questions for Friday. <laughs> Send those in again, gamingadvice.com. All right, everybody. That's going to do it for us. Danielle, what do we say to them? Be good and be good at it. Peace. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.